Iowa everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. And now, it's time for Two Guys Named Chris. Powered by Fairway Meat and Grocery. This is Iowa Everywhere. For the fans. My God, you should have seen the meat at the tailgate that I was at. I'm gonna... so some, Something good happened on Saturday then, you're saying? Yeah, I, I got to see if my buddy... Coop took a picture of our meat spread. Uh, no, I, I didn't. I, he may have. Well, I'll, I'll show it to you on Thursday. The amount of meat we we counted it. So on one night a year or one day a year, me and my college friends do like a big tailgate together. Okay, and I sit in the stands mm-hmm. with my kids, and then I go up and work after the game. Um, we had thirty six pounds of meat from Fairway briskets pulled pork for the you know, pork belly we had um and that didn't even count breakfast where we had all this sausage we ate more sausage at this tailgate than any tail like we love sausage we ate um chicken wings we had all the meats from fairway so we appreciate it we ran over to the meat market on friday before the uh before the shindig so we thank them for sponsoring two guys named chris my name is chris williams i'm joined as always by Chris Hassel, where the you can add up the points from all of the game, both of the games, and we didn't even hit the Iowa over when you combined the Iowa and Iowa State games. Imagine being Saturday somebody night. like me that kind of covers both of these teams and watched both of those games at the same time. <laughs> I was in a I was in a Birmingham restaurant. Asking them to turn it off of the Alabama A and M game to <laughs> Iowa State, Kansas State, and uh, Iowa, Illinois. That's epic. Because yeah, down there, it's like Bama's a religion. Uh huh. You know, did they? Do and it? Auburn too. And Auburn, Auburn had played earlier in the day and got their ass kicked by Georgia. They did. Credit to them. They did. They were like, "Well, now which team are you rooting for here? I, I, what is this?" And, and it turns out the Alabama game was great, but. Yeah, the Alabama game was awesome. I, I, I skedaddled. And I, I got my ass up to the press box as soon as I could. Once the Iowa State game was no longer in doubt, because I wanted to watch the end of the Iowa and, and Alabama games. But um, yeah, what a! I, I'll say this: I, I had this for other, but it was, it was actually quite nice on Saturday night to have both teams playing at the same time, so we could all just be miserable together, right? Because that would have been like, as an Iowa State fan, if y'all would have won earlier in the day, then you know how it gets. The Hawkeye fans are sitting back. They've had some drinks, and they're just rooting against Iowa State, and then they're just rubbing it in our face. No, we were all (laughs) miserable together at the same time, which was kind of nice. I kind of liked it. Yeah, because what the weekend before we were all miserable, but it was it it happened at separate times. Yeah, you know, we were miserable after the fact. We were miserable together on Twitter. It was and peak miserable at and the it was, same time. And it was in the same way, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Offenses suck. Defense is great. Low scoring, tight game. Nail biter down to the wire. Just need one play. And neither one of our teams gave it to us. Yeah. that. Um, I had a couple notes. So I, I watched the Iowa game. I, I Believe it or not, I was 
kind of the sicko. I was in the stands, and when I could get reception, I was watching it on my phone as much as I could because there's like five-minute TV timeouts at these games now, so there's a lot of time. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm over-exaggerating there, but that's what it feels like when you're in the stands. I, I like it's about four do, minutes. I like to do that, though, Chris. You know how it is in the press box. It's so sterile. You don't get the real environment, and – I work mm-hmm. with Iowa State fans on a daily basis. It's good to do that every once in a while and to like feel that energy and stuff. And it, we got a major problem in college football. Uh, they've got to do something about. And, and our games are relatively short. You know, when they're ten to nine and nine to six, like that's not even a game where it's in the forties, right? That you're adding about an hour onto it. Um, I have similar analysis to both teams. Iowa will start here. Um, was it um, – which running back was it? It was Johnson. Gave you a nice little kick return in the fourth quarter. and Right? Like, it, it felt like a huge play is my yeah. point. Like, it felt like this massive play in the game. You guys miss Charlie Jones a lot, or mm-hmm. at least somebody like him in the kick return game because you're, you're so – your offense is so predominant on – you have to have help. It either has to be off of a turnover or in the past you got a lot of those off of special teams where Petrus and the boys are taking over at the 50-yard line, and you're just not getting that. And the same with Iowa State. I would say that – and I get it. Like I understand why you would question Tom Manning and all this stuff right now. At the end of the day, in both of these losses, as bad as the offenses have been, there have been plays that are right there, and your guys just aren't making them. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson's dropped two touchdown passes in the last two weeks. Dropped a fourth down play on Saturday night. Should have been caught. If he and then you're right right in field goal range. Right? So my point is there's just more to it than like, oh, the scheme sucks. Or like, neither one of our teams has guys who are stepping up and making plays. I think the scheme and stuff is clearly worse at Iowa, right? They're running this Mm -hmm. under center, this 1980s crap that we've covered before. But – the at the core of it, like neither one of these offenses have guys that are just stepping up and that are just studs. That's I will say for Iowa State last week, it's it's got a. I guess I'll ask you as an Iowa State guy, what's worse, losing the game against Kansas because of all the special teams issues, or losing this game late because your best player dropped a pass. I would say this game because and yeah, not even, I, I would rather have it rest on my best player. Yeah, than that dumb special teams mistakes. Just the fact that you had the ball midfield twice in the fourth quarter, just go down and kick a field goal and you win, mm. and you're on, and you go three and out both times or four and out on the one, right? Like, yeah, like I don't, I'm not putting it all on X. Clearly, there's a lot more wrong with that offense than him but that's just yeah he's he's basically the only thing going right for that offense so it's hard to it's hard to blame him at all but my point is there's no Brees Hall there's no guy like that who's just stepping up like Charlie Kohler's done it in the past Brock did it a lot in the past with his legs Hunter Deckers is terrified to run for some reason and I I don't understand that I thought he was going to be um not a running quarterback but a guy who's going to be able to do that yeah I, I thought that the Kansas State game was worse being at home night game that crowd was charged it was an awesome atmosphere um and then it just i don't know like here's what's maddening to me chris and you tell me maybe i'm just being a total homer here and it's 
possible that I am. And that this play right here that Matt's playing from the first quarter, it's it drives you crazy too because you, you played it perfectly. Iowa State's defense did. It's a broken play. Kansas State takes it to the house. So you give a shout-out to them, Adrian Martinez, for keeping that play alive and peeling off that Colby Reader sack. But like, can't we, we all watch the game. The difference in Iowa State and Kansas State is very – it's minute would be the word I would use to describe it. But Kansas State ends the day feeling like they are invincible on top of the Big 12 right now. And an Iowa State fan sitting here going, man, will we win another game? Hmm. Right? And, like, the difference in these teams is not that big, but the feeling after that game is incredibly – the difference could not be more stark where an Iowa State fan is right now compared to a Kansas State fan. So, yeah, that game was super frustrating to me. Just, I think, too, because we had – We've lost so many games on special teams before. As Iowa State fans, you're just kind of used to it. Um, I think everybody in that stadium expected Iowa State to go down and win that one at the end. I know, I know I felt that they would, and they didn't, and that was disturbing. I thought they would too. Um, I, you know, I that it would have been a great story oh, after he last went on week. Four for and, four. He, he was. Just he was on fire, having a great time. Give him a chance, and they and they never and they never could, and that was disappointing. Um, uh, but I was disappointed in what Matt Campbell said after the game. Yeah, let's get to that. Um, I think Matt Van Winkle has the audio here. We'll play that for you, and then we'll analyze it. You know, I think that's the hard thing when you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds or anybody in life. You know, you get, man, you get right there and, you know, it's easy to, you didn't get the result that you wanted and it's easy to bag it. And so, you know, I, I think, again, this will be a great test to, you know, the locker room, the leadership. Um, but, you know, as I said, what gives me great confidence in our football team is the play Anthony Johnson makes is maybe one of the greatest plays in the history of, of this program. You know, you, you talk about, you know, our, our fan base, unfortunately, tried to fry an 18-year-old kicker last week and our 18-year-old kicker responded and went three for three tonight in a big-time situation. So, man, there's a lot of things we can sit here. We didn't win the football game. You can put as much of that on me. I sit in the offensive room, so if you guys want to complain about me, put it on me. Um, he kind of uh, snuck that in there, just right in the middle. He just sandwiched that right in the middle of a bunch like, of other stuff. Felt like he wanted to get that off his chest. Yeah. Maybe win or lose. Felt like that to me. Because he... I'll I'll let you go. I, I've I've spoken about this a couple times. And the, what did you think when you heard and and read I thought that? that was totally unfair because I, from talking with Iowa State fans, from seeing it a lot on social media. I don't see everything, obviously. Yeah, I did not think that they went and totally personally attacked this kid after the game last week. I, I didn't see I didn't see anybody doing that. Now I I'm sure. I have no doubt that he probably got some DMs. There were probably some posts on message boards. But are you really going to give that kind of voice to just a few bad apples? And and I'm sure some of them are nameless, faceless people on social media. And they feel like they can say whatever they want. I did not think, for the most part, that the fan base handled what happened last week too badly and did not did not attack him personally for the most part. So I think all he had to say there was part of our fan base or a few, yeah. but saying say, our fan base. Just don't even mention the fan base. I mean, 
I don't even really think I, I, I wouldn't have. A, I honestly wouldn't have a problem with it if he just said some of our fans. You know, some of our fans. Let me tell you what. I, here's what I think happened. And I haven't talked to Matt. Like Matt gets in like a bunker once the season starts, and that's part of the problem here, right? Is that all these guys, these coaches, and we're going to talk about Iowa because we're having the same deal there, where they live in these bubbles. And they don't even like reality is hard to grasp sometimes, especially at this point in the season when things aren't going well. My guess, because I I did see a couple, Chris, where I had uh, people had tagged Gilbert on my feed and were saying, but like the the these are people with like three followers, eggs, mm-hmm. you know, like this is not yeah. a big deal, nameless, my, faceless, yeah. My guess is that somebody that it was mentioned to Matt or his support staff or something like that. And Matt probably, because I just know how his mind works in general, us against the world. All right. Damn it. What, you know, everybody's doubting us. I think he was probably highly emotional after that game. And he. Definitely made a comment that he shouldn't have made because the one thing about Iowa State that you can't do is hmm. question the loyalty of the fan base. Yes. Right? I mean, it that fan base is – I mean, the, I, I think of the Paul Rhodes years really when – they weren't that good. Like, there was a lot of momentum behind Paul right there after the first couple of years. But you think of like the – the huge pop and attendance during that time, right? Like these people are as loyal as they come. They've, you know, Matt himself has referred to Iowa State as the laughing stock of college football prior to, you know, the recent resurgence that we've seen. And that's the one thing that, that that's the one reason Matt came to Iowa State was because of the fan base. He's talked about it a lot, the story about when Toledo played there and he walked around in the lots and nobody knew who he was and how like he was, it was energetic for him. So I, my guess today is that Matt would probably like to walk that one back. He, he can, can do ca- it. I hope he, he does. He can do it tomorrow. at the press conference. Yeah. I hope he does tomorrow. I think that that would be a really good look. I think at the core of it, he was thinking in, in his mind, I'm defending my guy. I'm yeah. going to bat for my players. Matt's entire program. Uh, and this remember, drove everybody crazy last year. When he made the comment of, what did he say? It was something like, it, "What? It's not about wins and losses. It's about growth in the locker room." Or, or do you remember what I'm talking about? Yes, that was. Oh, yeah, Brady Quinn had a lot of fun with that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, your guy Brady Quinn. Yeah, um, and like I will, it drives us nuts. It, it's about being. It, he, yeah. he said all. It was something like you know. It, all of our goals are still out there because yeah. our only goal was to be the best version of ourselves at the end of the season. Correct. And clearly it's coach speak. Clearly we all know this, but that's the that's their whole deal is like the brotherhood and all that stuff. So like I'm not surprised that Matt found a place Saturday night to go out there and really like puff his chest out for Jace Gilbert. I was shocked that the fans were brought into it. Because I and I'm I'm with I saw it with my own two eyes. There were some people being real assholes on Twitter, but by 
far like not a representation of the fan base. Uh, they could have been Iowa fans for all we know. They're cowards, right? Mm-hmm. Behind their fake usernames and all, uh, right. So he, I hope he walks it back. Uh, we'll we'll see on Tuesday during his press conference. I, I know that um, there's a lot of Iowa State fans out there that have just been through. It's worse now too. Hassle because of like the collectives and the NIL and everything. So fans are being asked to do more than ever. Right. And then they're lo- you Then you lose like a disappointing game like that. And you're like, well, I've been here all day. I pay hundreds of dollars to park. I donate thousands of dollars to the athletic department. I'm giving to the collective. I do all these things. And then you get a fan goes in their mind. I got called out by the coach after the, after the game. And it's tough. It's a bad deal, and I hope Matt walks back. I do not think that he thinks that, like, Iowa State has this awful fan base the way some people took it. But, again, man, heat of the moment, and it was not a great look. There's no doubt about that. I think uh, I think Campbell's got a hold of your Wi-Fi. He's trying to just totally shut you up. Your Wi-Fi is kind of breaking My jumpy Good for- today? Yeah, you're a little cutty. You're a little cutty. Oh, yeah, a little kid cutty. Uh, that was good to see Gilbert though hit those three field goals, and it, it, you're right, it would have been a great story had he had he won that thing on a field goal at the end. But I I, I will ask you this because there there were also some fans out there kind of questioning the whole Matt Campbell culture. The whole Matt Campbell is is he really the right guy right now? And that's that's ridiculous. But it's year seven. 0-3 in the Big 12. Sure, he got the big win over over Iowa this year. But 0-3, and this is not a place that Iowa State's been under Matt Campbell. Other than that very first year. They've had a winning record in the Big 10 or in the Big 12 every single year since then. And this season, it's going to take a minor miracle to get to five and four in the big 12 before things are done, because you've got probably your toughest game of the year coming up next time against Texas. So I don't, you know, they're so close and it reminds me a lot of what Iowa has done over the years and the bad seasons they've had where they just don't win these tight games. You know, it all, it always comes down to a play or two and, Iowa State made enough plays. I mean, the play at the goal line, incredible. But again, that was a bro- that was a play where Iowa State should have should have made a play long before that ball got to the goal line. Mm-hmm. But I I I I'd, I'd like to know, Chris, what 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 do you think about year seven, Matt Campbell taking another step back? It appears after a disappointing season last year. Well, okay, so there's there's a lot of different ways you can go with this. Like you you can say that you know they lost all those guys these are a lot of young dudes who are there they're bringing up in the program we expected to see somewhat of a step back vegas had the win total at six and a half um but then you you the problem was when you started out three and oh if they would have started out two and one and lost to iowa we would have all been like oh man if you can get to six and six right like, yeah but you'd still then you'd be sitting there at what two and four yeah, and no. 0 and three in the Big Twelve. 
I, I, I would like to see how they end the year before I go off and say, like, it's unacceptable or anything like that. Just because they've lost the three games by 11 points, right? Like, that's the hard mm-hmm. part. You make one kick, it can't, they're not that far off. But then you, but then you watch the offense, and Hunter Deckers has regressed greatly, right? From that, he does not look like the same player who played in Iowa City a few weeks ago. He doesn't. No, he does not. He, he was completing like eighty percent of his passes at that point in time in the season. Where now he's down to around fifty, <laughs> a little bit better than that, but not much. I think that um, I would like to see they're going to get. I think they'll get killed this week. I think Texas is a with Quinn Ewers is a top five team in the country. Yeah, they they look like yeah. they might be the best team in the Big Twelve. I want to see how they is this fair? Like with a young team, is it fair for me to say I want to see how they do after the bye week and let's see what what they come out with and do from there. Right. Yes. I don't yes. think six and six would be a disaster of a season. Like I, I had him at six seven and, and six. Five. Now is looking pretty yeah. good. Oh, I'd sign up for that in a heartbeat. Like, where do I sign? Like, sign me up for that right now. Um, the the disappointing part again. Like I, I was kind of in the mindset of that. These guys are. This sounds stupid because Alabama reloads, right? Hmm. I, Iowa State and Iowa don't reload you. Your development. I thought that they would have more guys offensively ready to just who hadn't played much because of all the guys that they lost, who would just be ready to step in and move ahead. And that's clearly not the case. Decker's clearly isn't ready. Or it, not that he's not ready. He's he's looked good, but he's clearly not Brock Purdy right now, right? Like, and to expect that, maybe we got ahead of ourselves just a little bit, but man, when you watch him lead 99 yards in Kinnick stadium against that defense, Mm -hmm. I saw it with my own two eyes. You saw it with your own two eyes. Clearly it's a guy that can make some plays. That's an offense that can do some things and it's regressed. And you got to ask the question, why is that? Is that your, is that your coaching? Is that, um, is there something mentally going on or, is it simply their running backs and they they need to they need Jirel Brock back and the guys behind him aren't good enough? I don't know, but I can watch Hunter Deckers and I can tell you that he looks like a freshman with the game going 100 miles per hour. When he played in Iowa City in the second game of the season, he looked like a junior who was in charge. And that's just not the case anymore. To me, it seems like that it's it's a product of maybe just thinking too much, trying to do too much, trying to outthink everybody every single play. Where earlier in the season, he was just reacting. Is there a possible Bloom? Bloom brought this up to me. And by the way, uh, Rose and Bloom this week, their guest is going to be Ricky Williams. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm sure Bloom, he'll be. Uh, is Bloom, Bloom going to smoke pot during the show? <laughs> just sitting there, just toking. Um, Bloom wonders if it's not by design. Like, are they if, doing what Iowa does? If what's by design? To kill Looking clock. like shit? <laughs> no, think about this. Are they trying to shorten games because they've they think that they don't have the guys now? Is that a possibility? Are they trying to? Because Ference does that all the time. Like, 
This is a yeah, good lead into does. to does. your cesspool. We already we already <laughs> picked through mine. Uh, I hope right? that's like, not the case. I I, I, I don't I, know. I hope that's not the case. I have no idea, but it, it drives me nuts though because they are calling plays differently though against these Big Twelve type teams than they were. They were aggressive. They were confident. They were. I think personally, I'm a I'm a dumbass, but they can't run the football. They're averaging like two yards per carry in the Big Twelve. To but me, is that is that really on the running back? I, that's that's no, on the offensive line. Well, it's on something, and I, and I don't know what it is. But you're at, like, what's the problem? To me, it comes down to they can't run the football. Deckers is fine. It's a little bit like Kirk Cousins. I'm a Vikings fan. Kirk Cousins is great. He's all pro. Can win a Super Bowl with the guy. If 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 elite defense, elite running back, elite offensive line, if everything around him is perfect, he's a really good quarterback. You take Dalvin Cook out, you take the left tackle out, bad defense, right? And I, I think Deckers is – you go back to the 99-yard drive against Iowa. Jairo Brock's running for like seven yards a carry mm-hmm. on that drive. And that not all the pressures on this guy. And I think this kid is just swimming mentally right now. And I think if they could simply run the football effectively like they did earlier in the year, it would do a lot of good. But this team is so far from that group that even the first half against Baylor, Chris, they moved the ball at ease in that first half. Halftime hit, and they have not been the same since. The, the only good thing I can say is they are keeping pace with Oklahoma in the Big 12. How often can you say that? How bad are they? Oh my god! They, uh, I, I pulled this stat. Oklahoma has given up a combined one thousand seven hundred sixty-two yards and one hundred and forty-five points over the last three games. Mm. I w- I wish Iowa State got Oklahoma this week. Now they got to yeah. go to Texas, yeah. who's just like, I. I that's the I'm last huge, team you want to play right now is Texas. I'm a huge believer in them. If they if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt against Alabama, they beat Bama, they're undefeated in a top, top five team in the country right now. Yeah. I truly believe that. They're the they are the class of the Big Twelve, in my opinion. Even with the one loss at Texas Tech. And it's funny to say that because they have two losses overall and you've got Oklahoma State and TCU who haven't lost yet, but I I totally agree with you. Real quick shout out to our friends at Circus Sports, Circus Sports Iowa. Uh, I had another example this weekend where I was shopping NFL lines, and they, I'm telling you, they have the best lines. Circa doesn't go out there and be like, oh, we're going to give you all these promos and all this stuff like that. No, they spend their money to get you the best lines. I promise you guys. I have like 10 sports books on my phone. Circa continuously gives me the best lines. Download the Circus Sports Iowa app today. Speaking of that, Chris, how about Iowa and Iowa State both losing and both covering those spreads? The only way Iowa State could lose and cover is is losing by one, and they did. Iowa State, or Iowa, we talked about how important that hook was on the three and a half. Well, bizarre. I don't know how it's possible. If you guys listen, so I'm doing the podcast now on Thursdays with Mike Palm, the handicapper from Circa. And 
So I basically give my locks, and then Palm tells me if he agrees or disagrees. Is how we're doing it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a hack and he's a pro, so it, we bounce off each other. And we came up at, at the end of last week's to play the to parlay the Iowa and Iowa State unders. And mm. uh, Palm sent me a text on like late. It was late in the Iowa game, and he's like, "Never broke a sweat." That's all it said. So <laughs> I hope that we made some people some money on on that one. Um, Spencer Petrus was in tears at the press conference. After Iowa's nine to six loss to Illinois, Kirk Ferentz um, kind of got into it with a reporter a little bit. Uh, really, kind of the same story, Hassel. I mean, uh, the, this well, is kind of I, all. So why was he? Why why is he crying? I guess I don't. It, it, did something happen in his no, personal I, life? Like nothing's changed. It's, it's, I it's, think that in my I feel really bad at this point for Spencer Petrus because they're they're putting him in a no win situation. Like the guy can't win. I, I don't think that you know, they march Padilla out there, and I, I wish that they would at this point in in mm-hmm. the Petrus's misery. It's not going to change much. Maybe the maybe you're going to see a bump for a week, but as long as this offense stays stylistically the way that it is from 1970, it doesn't matter what quarterback you put out there. It doesn't matter any of these recruits. Oh well, this guy can run. You got to let him. Right. You got to let your let them breathe. Let them play. And I think at this, it, just my read on it, we saw it at the end of last year. Spencer Petrus is clearly an emotional guy. He seems like a really nice guy. We saw it after that bowl game, right? Or there was the story at the bowl game about where he was talking about reading text messages or his mom reading Twitter or something like that, right? And he got all choked up. Oh boy. He clearly cares a lot. And I think it's just all weighing on him so much right now and i give him credit for even going and talking to the media mm-hmm. not all guys would do that i just think i think there's so much weight on the kid right now and i i i'm at the point where i feel really bad i wish that they would put him out of his misery and just let padilla start at ohio state that's where i i i don't think it's like oh no, I, I, you know, like a death in the family or anything like that. It looks to me like the young man has the weight of his world on his shoulders, which isn't fair because it's not his fault. <laughs> this offense sucks. And he, he listen, he's not making the throw. I, I'm, he's not doing a lot of things right. We all know this. We've all dissected this. I think he's mentally shot, and they need to move on for the sake of him and their their offense. Mm-hmm. But Chris, we were saying the exact same thing three and four weeks ago. Like, at what point does this does this become almost malpractice from Kirk Ferentz to keep running him out there? I I told you, I think he's lying to us. I don't think that Kirk Ferentz actually <laughs> believes that Spencer Petrus is the best option. I think he's stubborn. I think he's digging in, and we saw it with this quote after the game. Like, I he's up on. I, 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 I really don't. I don't think that Kirk Ferentz could, honest to God, lie detector connected to him, sit here and tell us that he thinks that Spencer Petrus gives him the best chance to win the game. So why are well, they trotting him out there? We might as well play that quote uh, after the game. I think it was David Eicholt from 24-7 Sports who a- asked him a good question, I thought. Kirk, to kind of 
take a step back in the long term. In the last calendar year, you guys have been held to seven or fewer points six times. The offense right now is among the bomb yardage-wise in the country. I know you said earlier this week that you wouldn't consider making a midseason coaching change, but is this something you're going to contemplate or just look at during the bye week? Uh, making a change? Potentially no. making a change. No. No. I mean, we won 10 games last year. I don't know if you were that, but... Uh, so I look at that, and uh, we've won a lot of games since 2015. So, you know, we're not doing well enough right now. I think that's fairly obvious, and we're going to you know, work on solutions, figure out what we can do to get better. Come on. Come on. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. We won 10 games last that's year. That's a very condescending way to say that. Horrible, <laughs> yeah. horrible thing to say. I mean, give me a break. And what the hell does last year have to do with anything? What the hell does going back to 2015 have to do with anything? It is right here, right now. This is the worst offense in college football. You see all these other teams making big changes. Four other teams in the Big Ten have made major coaching moves already. All four of those teams have better offenses than Iowa. More yards, more points per game. You have two head coaches being fired. You have two offensive coordinators being let go this weekend. And Kirk is acting like that is a that is a dumb question or that's a question that shouldn't be asked. And talking down to the reporter, I, I'm not sure if you realize we won 10 games last year. Of course he knows that. <laughs> we all know that. That doesn't mean that a change doesn't have to be made. And I think right now a change has to be made for this fan base to believe that this program is actually trying to win. Do you? I, and here's I the stat from what, uh, CBS uh, Sports Research. Ahead, give your stat because I want to go back to my analysis on this. You give your stat here, real quick. So you heard you heard David Eicholt say, yeah. "Kirk, in the last calendar year, you've been held to seven or fewer points six times." So I asked our CBS Sports Research team, "Look this up in the last year. Jeez. What do those numbers look like from everybody else? Because I find it hard to believe that any other team in the country has had." Six games where they've scored seven or fewer in the last year. And sure enough, nobody's done that. Nobody's even had five games other than Iowa. It's Iowa at six, and then a few other teams like New Mexico State, Temple, New Mexico, Indiana, and Northwestern at four. That's in the last calendar year. We're talking 13, 14 games. And half of the games, Iowa is scoring seven or fewer do you believe we we'll go back to what I've talked about a couple of times. This is my God's honest opinion that he's so stubborn at this point that he, he doesn't want to make a quarterback change because if it works, it makes him look in Brian specifically, it makes him look even worse for digging in the way that they have. I, I think there's a part of, there's a part of him. Yes. Because they've dug in so far at this point that yeah. there's almost no turning back. I don't I don't believe that Kirk is not trying to win. I think for for whatever reason I agree he thinks I don't think he's trying to sabotage the team. I'm not saying no. that. But when things aren't working, you've gotta change things up. And don't wait until the end of the season to reevaluate. Because, you know what, if we're going to do that, then there should have been some major changes after last year's 10-win season. Because it should have been more than 10 wins. And that was a fraudulent 
start that Iowa had. I mean, some of those early wins against teams that were ranked, that we thought were going to be really good, they weren't as good as we thought they were going to be. In fact, they, Indiana didn't even win a game in the Big Ten, and that go, went down as a top 25 win last year. So I think they they had an overinflated view of how good they were yeah. last year. Clearly, Iowa State wasn't what we thought at the mm-hmm. beginning, right? They were a top 10 team, and they weren't a top 10 team. They didn't even but finish in the top 25. All off season, we were like, Okay, so what's going to change? Are you really going to trot Petrus out there again? Is Brian Ferentz going to be calling the plays again? Yep, 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 yep. So, should we be surprised? I, I, quite frankly, I'm not surprised. And I don't think a lot of fans are surprised. What they're surprised is, is that no change is being made at all. Nothing. No change to the scheme. No change to the personnel. No change to the coaching staff. I I kind of agree here with Kyle. I'll post his quote. He's watching us on YouTube. For those of you who just download the podcast, you can watch us live every Monday and Thursday on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, Kyle says, putting in Padilla is just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, to which I I do agree but at least you're rep- at least you're shutting people like me up who I honestly have that opinion that they don't want to make the change to protect their own ego at this point. Yeah, ego maybe not he's an older head coach that's won a ton of games. He's been on a pulpit there in Iowa City for 20 years. Right? But would that at least show you Chris as an Iowa fan? Well, they're trying something. Yeah, but just by making the quarterback change, that it. But why does it have to be Padilla? Well, what about Labus? I mean, let's uh, look I don't to care, the future yeah. here. We, I, I, we saw what Padilla did last year. And, and Padilla, he can give you more of a mobile aspect at quarterback and maybe you avoid some of these horrible sacks. It is cruel what they are doing to Spencer Petrus right now. It is. And it, and it has been for this entire season. He should have been pulled in the very first game. Very first game. What do you do next? You have a bye week. So that, I mean, that's where I, for Iowa State, I really wish they had a bye week this week because Matt has made big changes during bye weeks before. We've, I mean, a lot of big changes we've seen. And I want to see what they come out with. What are they going to do different? If they do the same old, same old, I'll come on here and kill them. Right? Like, I just, I think this week for Iowa State, they're just, just get out of there alive. It's kind of mm-hmm. how I view it. And then let's see, because there's a lot of winnable games after that bye week. Let's see what kind of changes you make. How does it go from there? What do you want to see happen over a bye week? Because I, I, I kind of agree with Kyle. Like, I'm watching your receivers, and they're, I know your, your opinion is it doesn't matter who's a receiver for the University of Iowa. And to that point, I agree. But they're not making plays when they have an opportunity. And I, I'm I'm not being a troll when I keep bringing up Charlie Jones. Damn it, that is such a huge loss on special teams for Iowa. This is not an offense that's going to march 80 yards very often. And he was giving them short field after short field, and that defense would give them short fields, and that's why they were able to win 10 games. It had nothing to do with the offense last year. You're better at running back. You're better at receiver. You don't have any of that now. And I, I so to that point, I agree with Kyle. It's like I. I think this is what you're going to get for the rest of the year. I don't know what you do at this point other than make some wholesale changes because it, no matter what change you make, it's not going to matter in the Ohio State game. You're going to no. get your ass kicked. I mean, the, the, 
Ohio State's going to run circles around Iowa. I do think because it's going to be a blowout that the offense will probably put up more yards and maybe more points than they normally would, no matter who's at quarterback. But, God, I just think it's going to be like the the game against Michigan last week where how, how dumb do they think we are when they say that this, the offense had turned the corner in the fourth quarter of that game when both touchdowns against Michigan were scored down 20 points? Do they not realize that things change <laughs> defensively in a game when it's out of reach, when it's a 20-point game? The defense is going to play a little bit different. That wasn't Iowa turning any kind of corner. That was garbage points at the end of the game, and they really thought that was going to be the springboard into the offense taking that next step. Remember that? Yeah. Are you kidding me with that? I, I, I want to see Labus at this point. We've seen Padilla, and we've seen that this this coaching staff does not want to go to Padilla this season. Show me somebody else. For once, look to the future. For once. Now, I'm, do you I'm not, want to do that to Labus's n- not Not at Ohio State. I don't want to see it at Ohio State. I don't. Ohio State, that's it. I'd like to see Padilla there, though. I'd like to see Padilla against Ohio State because he might be able to avoid some of those sacks that Petrus takes. Here, here's a good one. Um, another YouTuber um, about the offensive line. And what in the hell happened to Iowa's offensive line? Like, remember when it was it was just dominant for for so many years, and now you don't even have that to fall back on. But you used to be able to at least – you know, you get good running backs. You know, like we can average four yards a carry. At least we're moving the chains because our line's so good. And now you don't have that. And it's it's just another layer of how this program has changed. Like I talked about last week, how they Iowa never used to lose by more than a score. No, you know, it, it might happen every three or four years where they lose a game by more than a score. They lose games like Iowa State does. And they've had four games in the last year where they've lost by 13 plus. An offensive line. Who would have thought, right? The, the offensive line of all the things, of all the units, you would expect the offensive line to be the most consistent and to always be at or near the top of the units that Iowa has. I, it is a it is a, a startlingly bad two year stretch for this offensive line. I I don't get. I have no answers for that. Kirk Ferentz was an offensive line coach in the NFL. That is his bread and butter. Well, and how many guys that they put into the league? You would think if one thing they could be consistent with, it would be there. Yeah, and they had a great center last year, Tyler Linderbaum. And the offensive line was still terrible. He was doing his thing, but the offensive line needs to work as a unit. They are five guys all connected. And that didn't happen last season. And this season, that offensive line is somehow worse. And and everyone expected the offensive line to be better this year. And I think it's just because we thought last year was a was just kind of one of those uh, weird one time in 20 years about offensive line. Let's 
Let's throw it away. I'm sure it'll get better. There's no way they can have a bad line two years in a row. And it's it somehow gotten worse. They can't run the football. And, you know, when you factor in the sack yardage, I mean, every time I looked at the rushing yards in that game, it was like Iowa minus 13 rushing yards. I I don't, I don't know. Um, this is why there needs to be wholesale changes made. It's not just one guy. It's not just one unit. Changes have to be made if this team is going to not not just win this season. I think I think they have to show the, the fan base that they are willing to make changes because that's the problem that the fan base has right now is that all this stuff is happening. We're watching the same garbage week in and week out and not a damn thing has changed. Yeah, and then it makes it worse when you look around and all these other Big Ten programs are... I mean, Greg Schiano fired his offensive coordinator. People are doing things, but mm-hmm. again, like if they fire Brian Ferentz, which they're they're clearly not going to. Okay. And I, I would not expect that. I, yeah, I would expect I, more of a reassigning. Like, okay, we're gonna have we're gonna put him in charge of. What about that quarterback? The offensive you got line from Wisconsin. <laughs> He's doing pretty well, huh? What about that guy? That volunteer. I would love to see. Wouldn't you just love to go to practice? And just see what Petrus, Padilla, and Labus look like in practice. Oh, I would give anything to. Yeah, what we've we've said this before, but if you're Labus and you're Padilla and you're sitting back and watching, like, why would you still be there next year? I, I don't know why Padilla, Padilla came back this yeah, year. I, shocking, really. Okay, well, at least you get a bye week. But that means what basically what that means is that we're not going to see an Iowa win or a chance for an Iowa win for several more weeks because we've got a bye week this week and then Ohio State. And Ohio Dude, State might be the best team in the country. You guys will still win some games in that West, though. It's so bad. It is. It is really I mean, bad. I mean, you, you would expect them to be able to beat Northwestern. Yeah, just your defense alone should be able to win – a couple of those games. I don't know though. Like I kind of feel with Illinois, they got my win total over over the weekend. So thank you, Illini. <laughs> I didn't really walk away. It was a little bit like the Kansas Iowa State game, where it's like, yeah, they're five and zero. Oh. I didn't walk away, especially like blown away by Illinois on Saturday night. I don't know about you. No, they, they tried to like, give that game away. Yeah, it didn't I, feel I mean- like they were the good. <laughs> They made those horrible turnovers that you can't make against Iowa, and somehow Iowa's offense has gotten so bad that they can't even take advantage of a 20-yard field. That play right there that we just watched was just horrific. Um, Okay, let's do a few other things here. Uh, We touched on Oklahoma. Uh, Purdue wins on the road at Maryland. A little bit of a statement a couple weeks, I think, for Jeff Brom. No doubt. That's a consistent program now, even with some injuries, getting through it. They, that was impressive. I thought Maryland would win that game. And Wisconsin throttles Northwestern, a bounce-back game after firing Paul Christ. Not entirely shocking. I will be interested to see the Badgers the rest of the way, though. Because you know they want to hire this Leonard guy, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, 
they, just the West is just wide open. I, I guess is is where I'm going here. Nebraska. It's wide open to everybody, but it's not open to Iowa. Iowa's got. Like I even said it last week, and I I thought they would beat no. Illinois. I don't think Iowa is a contender. Well, they have that crossover. They you know they get Michigan and Ohio State this year, and that's a that's a pretty tough deal when when you have this type of an offense. Bama Texas A and M was just a blast. I mm-hmm. wanted. A&M to win that game so badly to see the Jimbo Fisher press conference. <laughs> I did too. And Saban, really. Just watch those two what, just go at what, it. What do you think of uh, – there There was – even after that game, there was so much Jimbo hate all over social media. And I'll tell people you saying, well, Alabama was playing with a backup quarterback. You still couldn't beat him. They were three-score underdogs. I'll tell you why. You want to know why? And this is a good lesson for Matt Campbell and Kirk Ferentz today. When you're consistently being a jerk and talking down to fans and media and stuff, like eventually people will turn on you. And I'm I'm giving Matt a little bit of a pass here because I know the man and, and I, I, I might have my cardinal and gold glasses on and that's fine. This is the first time he's ever done anything really like this. And I, I hope he walks it back. I think it was a bad quote. I don't think he thinks that of the entire fan base. I think he was probably given some inside of that bubble. It, it turned into hyperbole quickly. And Matt, in the heat of the moment, made a stupid comment that I hope he walks back. There um, were students with pitchforks outside his dorm yeah, room. Right? I mean, come on. Like, Ferentz, um is a really uh, a very decent man. We all know charitable. We know all the stuff about Kirk Ferentz that we love. The opposite of your basketball coach. Not that <laughs> not that Fran isn't charitable, not saying that, but Fran is right. yelling at people all the time. That's what he does. Uh-huh. This is a good lesson on the Jimbo Fisher thing to not be a jerk publicly all the time. And when we see Jimbo, he's always ticked off about something, right? He's always animated. He's always Saban to that point, too, but Saban just wins national titles every year, so it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in Iowa and um, perform the way our teams are and have everybody just completely we're the uh, what Iowa nice right and like and again both of our coaches are good men and they don't have this reputation of being jerks and and we're we're grateful for that but this just be a little lesson you you ask why is everybody making fun of Jimbo Fisher I'll tell you why because he's a jerk and people pick (laughs) up on that and they're tired of him and now they want to see him fail and I mean, I saw it all. I saw it with my own two eyes with Gene Chizik. He was a jerk around town. It's a small town. Be a jerk to enough people, they're what all going to talk, and they want you to do, fail. What was he doing around town? Was he out of? He, no, he just wasn't like we were used to. McCarney, who yeah. knew your grandma's name and would send her a thank or send her a birthday card, right? Like you're used to this, like everybody's best friend, Coach Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Chiswick comes in and it's like a damn military base. My first meeting ever with Gene Chiswick, I used to go in there and McCarney, like hell, his wife would make me cookies to take back to my roommates. Okay. <laughs> and I go in there and meet with Gene Chiswick for the first time, sits me at his desk and says, all right, you have two minutes. What? Yes. All right. And like, it's just, an, you can't, you just can't be a jerk to people specifically in this state and say stuff like that often 
people aren't just going to blindly back you. And again, like Kirk and Bat are both good guys. They don't have a history of this. But this is a good lesson. You brought up Jimbo. Don't make those comments. Like there's just no need for him. Don't do hey, that. Van Winkle. Van Winkle, did you have a Chiswick story? Yeah, I was uh, I was in high school. Chiswick cut in front of me at McDonald's. That son of a bitch. What do you mean? You were you were waiting in line inside? Well, I was standing like in the back. There was like a line and I was waiting my turn in line and he just like was on his phone, of course, you know, like coaches do, and just cut in front of me. I'm surprised he even got out of his car and went inside to McDonald's. Did I, you he flip seems him like off? a drive through guy. No, I was just I just stared and was in awe. You know, Did he Chiswick, pay for it with the Chiswick coin? I was going to say he had the Chiswick coin <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> but right, that's why everybody was making fun of Jimbo, because he's a jerk and people are tired of him. Am I wrong? No, I, I no, but I don't think there's that big of a difference between Jimbo and Nick Saban. I mean, hell, they were in the same staff for a while. No, the difference is that Saban just wins Saban wins titles. and, yeah, Jimbo... But, geez, I thought that was a really good effort from Texas A&M. No doubt. In a tough situation. I I know Bryce Young didn't play, but I, I think many of us knew that or at least thought that he wasn't going to play. The line didn't change. I mean, it wasn't like this was a toss-up game. This was Alabama is still a heavy favorite in that game, and, and A&M had a chance to win it on the last play from the goal line. And That would have been a great upset, man. Just It would have been. It would have changed a lot of things, but... It was a horrible, horrible well, decision to throw I, the pass where they did. But I've seen some debate on this. If you had a vote, would you put Ohio State number one over Alabama right now? No, I wouldn't. I don't think I would either. Because Bryce Young didn't play in that game last yeah. week. And I think we're seeing how good Texas actually is. And they went in there and beat Texas at Texas. I'm and with you. I completely agree. Yeah. What's What's Ohio State done? What's their? I mean, they're they're looking pretty good. I mean, the Notre Dame win, I guess, is looking better by the week. Notre Dame is looking better, but Ohio State needs to rack up some style points here in the next few weeks. Oh my God! And <laughs> the last time they they played Iowa, it was the uh, the old woodshed game. So I, I'm thinking, yeah, Ohio State. I, none of the players that were, on, you know, in Iowa City for that game, are are on this Ohio State team. But some of the coaching staff might be. I mean, I think Ryan Day was. I think Ryan Day was on that yeah. staff. I think a lot of those guys that are still there were on that Urban Meyer staff, so they remember. And geez, maybe this will bring out the best in Brian Ferentz. That was his. That was his. I, Mona Lisa. I'm an idiot, by the way. Um, you should frame the text that I sent you. When Iowa got a chance at the end to go the length of the field to kick that, I sent Hassel a text, and I said, watch, they're going to go down the field now. And the reason the reason I said that is because they they have to – they can't overthink this. They can't mm-hmm. do what they want to do. They You know that they have to throw it downfield, and they're going to get an opportunity to do that. Clearly, the plays weren't made to do it, but that's how I saw that game going down at the end. And that would have been equally maddening. They would, have just, they would have carried – Petrus would have carried Brian Ferentz off the field on his shoulders. Did you see those two going at – I mean, they, they, 
They were like, like, I'm not sure that Brian Ferentz wants Petrus to be the starting quarterback. I'm not so sure that it isn't Kirk Ferentz saying it's Petrus and that's it. Deal with it. Yeah, because he doesn't want to. He will. He doesn't want that smoke. I'm telling you. Uh, MLB playoffs. You fired up? (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not. I, I bet you more than half of all sports fans had no idea what was going on with this first round of the baseball playoffs this year. I will say that either they didn't know that it was a best of three or that they thought they might for game three switch venues. This is the first year they've done it this way. And I, I didn't watch any of it. I saw some highlights, but they keep, they keep, changing the postseason i feel like every year the last three years they did something different i i'm actually a huge braves fan i i listen to most games but i always have it on but like if you're the braves you're 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 you are just firing on all cylinders you take out the mets let's go postseason sit for a week yeah well and that was can kind of be. I had no idea. I had to look it up about a week and a half ago, right? Because we had that big series with the Mets, and I was like, "What if the Braves don't win the division?" I didn't know what. Like, who would they play? I had no idea they were doing a best of three. Now, <laughs> that's what I'm I saying. No I, I, I don't think many people did. Yeah, hardcore baseball fans did. You're not. You're clearly not a hardcore baseball fan. No, I'm a Braves fan. I'm not a baseball fan. Like, I watch mm-hmm. my team, and I, I don't watch any other game. I don't care. I'll watch my team, though. Uh, oh, yeah. Are you a Bears fan? Is that your team? I am. But yeah, I am, but that. it's... I, Loser. I'm, I'm so disconnected from the city of Chicago. I, I grew up a Bears fan because of my dad and because we're oh, three yeah. hours from Chicago. Yeah, you're an elitist East Coast guy now. I get it. Yeah. Well, I'm a Dolphins fan. No. Uh I just I, I watch the I watch the NFL, but when I watch, I watch Red Zone. I I want to yeah. see what's going on with it's all the games. If the Bears are on, I don't just just get into that game that game like my dad would. Um, the did you see the Amir Smith Marset fumble geez. to end that game? It's hard to believe that Iowa even had a receiver that was good enough to play in the in the NFL some at some point recently. But man, he got that thing ripped away from him. Poor guy. That's more of a commentary on the Iowa offense than it is mm-hmm. Amir Smith-Marset. Right. I mean, True. the fact that like, he just, and you wonder why these guys are transferring. But think about what it's like for a guy like my dad, hardcore Hawkeye fan, hardcore oh. Bears fan, and these oh. two offenses he has to watch. <laughs> At least you have David Montgomery. Yeah, he hardly plays. He scored a touchdown yesterday. He's been hurt. Yeah, he came back yesterday. Did you see they spelled his name wrong in the back of his jersey? Did they really? It said Monto Gummery. (laughs) Talk about disrespect. It's too bad it didn't say, uh, what's the name that he hates when people call him? What's that name? Oh, uh, Chuck Bruce. Chuck Bruce, yeah. That was when Iowa State, it was after the derecho. Mm Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if it was the duration. No, it was in the Marshalltown tornado. Yeah, it was a, it was a tornado. Yeah, there it is. Monto Montgomery. Montgomery. Good job, Van Wink. Van Wink is an ace producer here on he I Love Everywhere. That's why you got to watch this on on it's, YouTube. It's better. And you don't have to watch live. You can go yeah. to the YouTube page and watch the, the replay. But It actually is great, too, because if you have any sort of a smart TV, you can go to the YouTube app 
and you can, and it's like a TV show because Van Winkle does such a good job with like mm-hmm. highlights and stuff like that that are constant. Yeah, we got highlights rolling. We got all yeah. kinds of stuff. Thanks to our uh, good friends at Fairway. Well, I um, I got to regroup here. The clones in Texas. I'm not I'm not feeling good about this one. Two touchdown. Iowa State hasn't been a two touchdown underdog I think since 2007 or 2017. I was gonna say, Jesus, seven. That was Gene Chizik time. It shows you how good they've actually been, like from Iowa State standards. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was shocked when Bloom gave me that. Sp- I was like, "Oh, they probably were a two touchdown underdog two years ago," but no, they've um, they haven't been. Th- this is a bad spot. Um, I would guess that they will dig deep and go straight Brian Kirk Ferentz and just make this game as ugly as possible on Saturday. <laughs> you don't want to give viewers the ball a lot. I. I I'm just, and then any sort of change will happen during that bye week. Just knowing Matt Campbell, but we'll see. But what kind of changes are you going to make? Are you well, do? I mean, you, I, I tell you what they could do. They could get rid of the tight ends and go four wide. You know, there you could uh-huh. really start pushing the ball. I, I don't know, but they actually, that's the difference in my mind between them and Iowa, where they're not so stuck in that system. Mm-hmm. Where they have the personnel, where they can do Iowa's, they've recruited. They're stuck in that 1980 offense. You don't have the guys to just be like, okay, we're gonna go to make any sort of a sweeping change. We'll see. We'll be back on Thursday. Enjoy your bye week. Yeah, that is that's kind of a relief that I don't have to watch Iowa football this week. And I think a lot of fans would say the same thing because it's just not fun. And Iowa State's kind of been the same way the last few weeks. Low-scoring games, offense fun. can't do anything. It's not. It's just not fun to watch. I would agree with that completely. Sometimes win or lose. I mean, that, that South Dakota State game was miserable to watch, even though Iowa won. Yeah, I mean, we saw that guy. Yeah, that big papa. Big yeah. papa was... The Hawkeyes on my belly. <laughs> All right, appreciate you guys for watching, listening, all that good stuff. Again, Ricky Williams coming on Rose and Bloom. All right. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to that. All right, uh, thanks to Matt Van Winkle for production, as always. For Chris Hassel, I'm Chris Williams signing off here on Two Guys Named Chris. Iowa everywhere.